on SAFM. South Africa has rather progressive abortion legislation, but there are still a variety of factors that are a hamstring in women's access to abortion services in the general sense. Significant barriers to accessing formal abortion services include a doff of functioning facilities, active persuasion from others, conscientious objection on the part of service providers, a lack of management support at facilities, costs, fear of breach of confidentiality and related stigma. Poor women and women in rural areas especially are more likely to die from abortion-related complications than healthy women living in the urban areas. This just follows ordinary patterns of how South Africa's society is structured. Abortions are still heavily stigmatized, that said, and confidentiality is not easy to maintain in rural areas and in urban areas, or versus urban areas, I beg your pardon. Further, public transport does not replace medical personnel who can perform, I, mean, I beg your pardon, public hospitals do not replace medical personnel who can perform the service. Yeah, a long way to go in the rural space insofar as it relates to public health care, but more specifically this aspect of abortion. Onga Jezile, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for calling. Preliminary thoughts so far. Your organization, Letabola Azania, is working in this space. What can you tell us that should be the concern of South Africans, period? Um, okay, we are based in, in the Eastern Cape. So, but we basically work with everyone that would love to be part of community positive change. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. No, I, I just wanted you to, and, and I missed that bit because I just couldn't hear that. The, the, the general work of the Tabula Azania and what you have done so far in the areas in which you have worked, specifically oh. focusing on abortion? Um, okay, specifically focusing on abortion, um, I work at Enobo in the rural areas, um, the former trans site. Um, so we deal with young people mostly, and we try to um, refer them to hospitals with whatever health problems that they have, because we are youth health matters. We've got that sector where youth health matters. So whoever that has a problem would come to us, and then we refer them to the necessary facilities where they can get their help. How does it work, generally speaking? They come to you, and what do you do? Do you then act as a conduit between them and the public health care facility? Do you offer related support in terms of transport and the counselling that would otherwise be missing, given the fact that the public health care system is just under the stress that it is? Um, That then depends on on the need of the person. But generally, we just they come to us, and we mostly know where they can go to. For example, if one wants to have a termination of pregnancy, and then we know that in our area there is no such um, service, so we would try to go to them in the in the hospital, like Olsen's Hospital or the nearest um, hospital in, in Elliot, which is our nearest. But then we find that there, in those places, they do not get such help if they go there alone. If they just go there as individuals with no backup support, and then they would they they wouldn't get help. They wouldn't access the service. For so what I understand to be some of the challenges, certainly one of the challenges is the fact that 
the public health care official, be it the nurse or the clerk handling the file and all of that, there are still clearly from this some embedded notions of what it means if you come to a healthcare facility for an abortion. Some of the questions that the expectant mother would field are non-health questions or yes. questions that are not at all related to why she is at that facility. And if one person experiences the indignity of having to be outed, so to speak, as a lot of them do in those environments, it means that the would-be second, third, fourth, and fifth people do not go there because they do not want to be treated the way that that one individual happened to be treated. Let's talk now about the impact either these trained officials have on these patients or consumers of healthcare facilities or what more needs to be done in the training of public health care officials so that the experience, just the genuine customer experience or patient experience, encourages more to uptake these services? Um, okay. In the rural area, personally, I still think there's a lot that needs to be done. Like when training the, the practitioners, I think also like our we've got different beliefs people right so when I go to access a service I, I I go there having had decided that I want to terminate my pregnancy for example mm. now when I get there and then you impose your belief on me trying to make me change my mind as if you will help me raise this child it's not fair um, judge, like from my experience and from the people whom I've referred and helped going to the clinics and the stories which we've collected, you find that many people, they end up not having, not terminating their pregnancy. Like, they don't, it's either they go to other private sectors or they just find their own means, which now also comes back and hits back on them because others, they end up being in hospital for other than related diseases and not the fact that they wanted to terminate their pregnancies because they now end up doing it illegally. Let's talk about the fact that the rural infrastructure itself, transport facilities, and non-medical health care is equally in short supply, so therefore it doesn't lend itself to pre-counseling before the abortion, counseling after the abortion, and safe spaces for these mothers to gather before and after. In other words, build a community of mothers who want to abort for whatever reason. It's a constitutional guarantee, bodily integrity. It doesn't have to contemplate the need of another person over the one who's actually made the conscious decision to do so. From your experience, again, operating in these very far-flung areas of Englobo, that service, among others, Dala Elliott and Yugi, as well as McClear in some instances, how do you think is the best way to tackle this challenge from a local government perspective or even from a provincial government perspective? Um, okay, personally, I think maybe firstly, like, there should be health hours, which in the rural areas you don't have. You only see them in the urban areas. There are no happy hours in our clinics and in our hospitals. There is no time where a young person can actually go into a clinic 
and get service from another young person. So when you get there, firstly, you need to brave up against all the eyes of the elderly people, which you will see in the small infrastructure that we have. Mm. And then secondly, you go into a room, a nest room, and there you find an ent- an adult person whom do not understand. So I think also we've got the general barrier thing, where like the, the generational barrier thing, where you find an adult being the one who's serving you, and actually not caring of what you want at this point in time, but caring about all their what can I call it, their integrity and stuff. The infrastructure doesn't allow us to be who we are, doesn't allow us to look forward into accessing the services which should be there for us as young people. We're going to carry on the conversation with Ms. Onge Jezil. I beg your pardon for referring to you earlier on as Mr. You are indeed Ms. Onge Jezil, founder of Litabola Azania, a support for mothers who want to abort their children, navigating abortion barriers in the rural areas of the Eastern Cape, particularly around the former Transkei, predicated on the Ngobom, Tatatala, Elliot, Yugima, clear areas. Of course, the more their work grows, the more it should tell you there are challenges in the public health care system. After the break, we continue the conversation with Onge. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapepe on SAFM. Carry on the conversation on the line. Ms. Onge Jezile, founder of the organization Letabola Zanya, navigating abortion barriers in rural areas. Of course, you mentioned Onge, just as we recap part of what you've said, to the extent that these services are not accessible or they are not used, particularly by the young women, because they feel one way or the other unwelcomed at the facility, it just creates a bigger problem in that they now are forced to go to your typical Mari Stopi's clinics in East London. Maybe there might be a facility of similar um, service in Mtata. Otherwise, they have to move the other way towards Gokstad and KZN areas. All of this doesn't lend itself to the dignity of the usage of your health care or the enforcement, rather, of your health care rights in that you now have to spend more money than you typically would to access it and you access it in you are accessing it in the private healthcare as opposed to what should be and is available in the public healthcare, but the experience certainly doesn't lend itself to it. Um, okay, yeah. So that is another thing. When young people go to public hospitals, public clinics, or just public services, we should be getting services that are there for us, but we do not. And now the challenges of having to now go to private that you need to then have money. We don't know the reasons why young people want to terminate their pregnancies, for example. There are various reasons. And if now I have to, for example, from Enmogo, and I have to go all the way to East London to access the stops so that I terminate my pregnancy, what time would I get there? What time did those guys close? Simply because I couldn't access the service in the nearest hospital that offers it. Because that's another thing. Not all clinics and not all hospitals um, give the service. Now, when when I take my time and go to East London to access the service, what chances are there that after three hours of traveling, I'll get the service? And then now as young people, we come back and we ask ourselves, 
why have we got services that we're not getting in our public facilities? What time should I get there for me to get it? How can I make an appointment? Who am I? Who can I talk to for me to access the service? But then when you get there, you ask these questions. No one answers you because you're coming there asking for a service that they're not ready to offer you. How do we move from this? I mean, how do we better the situation? How do we ensure that Letabola Azania doesn't have this sort of burden in a society that it currently has and is tackling and is tackling because there's a failure in the healthcare system. Let's put young people for young people in the in the public said public health to be specific. Can I get there and be served by another young person who knows exactly what am I going through, how am I feeling and what do I need? Whom I can have a conversation, a proper conversation with. Can I get there and see a familiar face also? By a familiar face, I mean I mean a young face. And then that way, I think then we, we, that could be a start of us moving forward. Yeah. Knowing that my conversation, like the conversation I'll have with you is as confidential also. And it is from an understanding point of view. It is not just you doing your job because you need, to get, you need to get it done. But it is you doing this because you're passionate about it and you're passionate about me because I am you. Mm, mm. Now, how can those who might be interested in supporting Letabula Azania support materially, in terms of time, in terms of skill? How can your organization better roll out its services to the communities where it is most needed? Um, okay, currently, because we're also <laughs> not that much old, currently we we function, we function from Engnobo, um, so there's Ilali called Egoso. So that's where we are, um, and people can only, like, now, for now, access us from my number, because I'm the one who's mostly available at this time. People have gone back to school and they've gone back to their work. So I take the calls for now. And there's another young girl who is also assisting me. So maybe they can call. Can I give my number? Or can you guys give my number? I would rather you do that so it's all on you. Sorry? <laughs> I would rather you do that. Okay, so my number is 082-5472-653. Or you send us an email on and let me spell the name of that email. It's L-E-T-H-A-B-O-L-A-Azania. Come on, you all know to spell it. Letabo La Azania at gmail.com. 082-547-2653. That's how you get hold of Ms. Onga Jezile. Navigating abortion barriers in rural areas. Let's ask this one question. Are we genuinely engaging conversations about sex and the reproductive or, or the value chain of reproductive health? Is, is that conversation taking place in the communities? Is it targeted for the people who really need to be hearing it such that ultimately we are not forced to deal with abortion 
I'm not suggesting anything in the way of judgment on anybody who wants to take up this particular route. But it must mean at some level or the other, a particular conversation was not being had or certain behaviors were not inculcated or certainly understood in the instances before such that now, which is still an option, of course, abortion has to take place. What, what, what sort of community engagement or formal engagement, even in the school setup then, lends itself to conversations on reproductive health? Um, generally, for us as an organization, we do host what we call hackathons. Um, so we normally target taverns. So we go in taverns like during certain days and then we just sit down and have a conversation with people about sexual health to be specific and how we, as young people, practicing it. How safe are we and how how our bodies are are ours for us to decide, especially for personally, especially for women, because I think, not to say anything about men, but I think these challenges, they are here because also we're not as empowered to say no to some things and empowered to actually wear our own condoms, empowered to to be able to say no on a lot of things, I think, on to enjoy sexual, to have sexual pleasure and be safe at the same time because there's we need to be pleasure, we need to give consent, and we need to be safe at the same time. So we currently having those conversations, but it's a taboo conversation, especially in the rural areas. Mm. We don't just get into it and, and, and get into the flow. We need to find, we personally need to find a way to get into it and to navigate our way through people. Because even young people, they aren't familiar with the conversation. Hence, we have so many cases of STIs, of pregnancy, of HIV, and everything else that comes with it. Because the sexual health conversation is a tough conversation, mm. and we need to also normalize that. Is that taking place in schools? I understand that you're speaking in taverns, and I'm coming with the assumption that nobody under the age of 18 is then part of this conversation yes. because they don't belong in taverns. And high schools, at least, are you having these conversations? Or are those conversations happening there? Currently, I don't want to lie, we haven't had those. We have mm. not yet had those. No, for sure. We, so, but we're looking into it. I think as time goes on and as we grow, we'll also look. And we, as we're having more people who are interested to work with us, we can then look into going into schools and then like offer these life skills um, sessions that we'd like to have with young people in schools and very necessary conversations for sure. Thank you, Ms. Onge Jezile, founder of Letabola Azania, the organization that works in rural and mobile and surrounding areas in navigating abortion barriers in such spaces. She is the founder. She does need help. So please do reach out where you can. Letabola Azania at gmail.com. Otherwise, the organization's number direct to the founder. How good is that? 082. Five four seven two six five three. Thank you, Ms. Jezile, for your time and all the best for the work of Letabola Zanya.